Hi everyone, Drew Perot here, host of the Broken Brain Podcast. Today is Big Idea Tuesday, where I come to you and share a thought, a distinction, an idea that's radically changed my life for the better. Today's topic, five critical life questions to ask. Critical life questions to ask during self-quarantine. I promise this isn't clickbait. This is an important conversation around mindset and checking in with yourself to see are you living your life or are you living the life that others expect you to live? Are you truly living your life? Or are you living the life that others expect you to live? Before we jump into these five critical life questions, I want to start off by saying my heart goes out to everybody out there in the world, but especially the Broken Brain Podcast community. I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone is staying healthy and I hope everyone is staying sane. During this period of time of crisis, it's so key to put healthy boundaries on with the news and healthy boundaries on with the group chats or Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp groups that are out there because in these crazy times where things are changing every day, if we let our stress and our emotions and our stress response inside of our body be dictated by the news of the day, we'll constantly be on a roller coaster. We'll constantly be worried all the time and our body will be in panic mode. Now, this is truly a time to be paying attention. This is truly a time to be vigilant. And I think the best way to do that is to follow trusted sources for feedback and advice on the best practices to keep ourselves and our family safe. On that topic, my dear business partner and friend, Dr. Mark Hyman has written a blog post on COVID-19 and how to protect yourself and your immune system. It's fantastic. It's very thorough. He goes through the entire history and also shares the things that we can do today to start protecting ourselves while also keeping in mind the recommendations from the World Health Organization and the CDC, which are recommending, at least at the moment right now, to embrace self-quarantine, self-isolation, and to not overwhelm the hospital systems. If you want to read that post, it's in the blog post. uh, It's in the show notes of this podcast. Now, on to today's topic. Self-quarantine, which many of us find ourselves in, is... An important opportunity. It's an important opportunity to slow down and reflect on our lives. Once we handle the basics that we're making sure that our family has food, groceries, that our loved ones, that our elders, that our community are all good, that everybody's staying safe, that we're following the guidelines and everything else that's there, of course, a big part of the process is also checking in with ourselves. You know, it's not just the coronavirus crisis that we are in the midst of, we're also in the midst of what potentially could be a global recession. At least we look like we have the beginnings of that. And any big event, whether it's in our lives or whether it's globally, is a good opportunity to really ask ourselves what matters. What truly matters? And I, am I giving love and attention to what truly matters in my life right now? And I can't think of a better thing to check in on than the mindset around whether or not we're truly living 
our lives, the life that we want to live, or whether we're being, whether our lives are being dictated and run by the expectation of others. So I put together five critical life questions to ask during this time where we're slowing down, where we are canceling a lot of social engagements, where we are not maybe going into work and working from home, and where we are putting so much attention on making sure that our bodies are healthy, we also wanna make sure our mind is healthy too. I'm gonna run through these questions and I'll add in a little bit of commentary on them. If you wanna do this in a way that is turning this podcast into a workshop, feel free to bring out a piece of paper and a pen and write these questions down. You can find all of them in the show notes and write your answers down to them. There's something powerful that happens when you put pen to paper and you actually let yourself read your true thoughts about a subject or a question. Here's what I mean. Our mind is very tricky. Our monkey mind will always find ways to trick us and to get out of something. Some people feel that that's the ego trying to avoid being seen and discovered. And so our ego will say that something isn't a big deal because it doesn't want to deal with the pain of addressing it. But then when we write our answer to a question down or when we verbally say it out loud, we can truly figure out how we feel about a situation. So if you feel inspired, bust out a piece of paper and write your answers down to these questions. All right, question number one to kick us off on the topic of five critical life questions to ask during self-quarantine, which are all related to are we living our lives or are we living the life that somebody else expected of us? Question number one, do you find yourself constantly worrying about letting others down? Do you find yourself constantly worrying about letting others down? Here's why I wanted to kick off this podcast with this question. When we notice the internal anxieties that are at play, that are driving us, and one way to do that is noticing if we're constantly worried about letting other people down, when we notice these internal anxieties and we catch them, that's a good indication that much of our life, our actions and our choices, our schedule and our priorities are being navigated around the expectation of others. Now, I have a great family, I have a great girlfriend, I have a great business partner, I have great employees that are out there. I don't wanna let them down. I wanna do my best and be there for them, but I'm not constantly worrying about it. The fear of constantly worrying, am I gonna let them down, am I gonna let them down? It's the worry about letting them down that often is the anxiety. And when we discover that by putting a microscope up to our lives, what we can see is, wow, that's really weird. Why would I constantly have worry that I'm going to let people down? Is it because I put their opinions on a pedestal in my life? Is it because I'm afraid of judgment from them? Now, just like you, I want to do my best and I want to show up for everybody in my ecosystem, my parents, my family, my stakeholders in the company, whoever it might be. But if I'm constantly worrying about letting them down, that means that there's some pain point. The same way that you go get a massage and the masseuse 
starts massaging you in a particular area and you're like, ouch, that's a pain point. The masseuse doesn't say, okay, let me not touch it unless if it's truly an injury that happened in that moment and then obviously massaging it's not going to make it any better. But if it's some deep tension, what they're probably going to do is they're going to say, oh, okay, let's work that out. Let's give that attention. So if your answer is yes to this question, are you constantly worrying about letting others down? Do you find yourself constantly worrying about letting others down? It's not to be hard on yourself. It's to use that as a jump off point to say, huh, interesting. Why is that? What choices in my life have I made where I put other people's opinions on how I'm doing things, how I'm spending money, how I'm taking care of my family, how I'm taking care of my health, how, what choice I've made in my career, where have I put other people's big expectations or society's big expectations on my life ahead of my own internal compass? Question number two. Is it extremely hard for you to speak up about what you want and what you don't want? Our voice, our actual voice, which we use to communicate, which we use to communicate love, which we use to communicate requests, which we use to communicate boundaries, our voice is the tool that lets others know what's working for us and what's not working for us. If we don't speak up, whether in written word or whether using our actual voice, then others don't know where we stand. How could they? How could they know if their behaviors and actions are working for us or not? That sounds so fundamental, but we all need that reminder. So this question is important because if you find yourself answering yes to, is it extremely hard for you to speak up about what you want and what you don't want, that's often an indication that in some area of our life, we are living a life that others expect of us. If we can't communicate and say in a loving way, we don't have to be mean about it, that, you know what, this isn't working for me. And I wanna talk about doing it differently. Or hey, that's not okay, and I just want you to know you can't treat me this way. Or hey, actually I want more of this, or I want less of that. If we stop ourselves from communicating, it's easy to blame the other person. And I'm not saying the other people in our lives sometimes aren't a little bit of a semi-toxic presence that would make us a little bit fearful about opening up. But if we're stopping ourselves from communicating, that's often an indication that we're holding back. Now, Usually people have all their justifications and reasons why we hold back. Well, they don't listen, they don't do this, they don't do that. And I would say that, okay, let's put our judgments on why people are not listening to us down for a second. And let's ask ourselves this most important question. First of all, let's acknowledge that it takes courage to speak up and share what works or what doesn't work for us in any area of our life, business, relationship, family, you know, friends. So once we have gotten clear that it does take courage and to be kind to ourselves, the next thing is to ask ourselves, have we properly sat down or on the phone, told the other person on the receiving end, hey, I would like to make time for something that's important to me. And if possible, I would love for you to just hear me out before you chime in and respond because it's important that I just clearly communicate what's on my mind. If you have not proactively set that expectation with someone, 
and told them that you want to have an important conversation with them that requires them to be present. Let's say if they have a history of not being present in the conversation or they're multitasking or they're not listening or they may have belittled you in the past. Have you told them in advance that this is an important conversation? I want to sit down and I'm asking you to be present and hear me out. If you haven't, we first have to start there because sometimes we're complicit in the lack of communication on what works and doesn't work for us. You could come home and your partner could have left the place untidy, for example, and you don't like that uh, feeling in the house and you're cooking and you're like, you know, babe, it would be great if we kept our house super clean. By the way, my girlfriend keeps the house super clean. Um, but let's say this is a grievance of yours. You just bring it up willy nilly without making eye contact, without talking about it, especially if it's a sore subject, if it's something that's built up over a period of time, it bothers you, it's important to you, and you don't communicate it sitting down and the person doesn't get a chance to understand the gravity of the situation, how important it is to you. If that's the case, and we've all done that before, we can't expect the other person to understand fully they just maybe don't get it realistically. They just don't get it. So we have to ask people to sit down and hear us out. Then we hear them out, right? We ask them to hear us out. Then we got to hear them out too and, and then lead to a dialogue uh, that's there. So that's an important question to ask ourselves because our answer to it is often an indication that we're stopping ourselves from living a life that's true to us and living a life that others expect of us. Question number three, do you feel guilty pursuing your dreams? Mm. This is a big one. You know, on the verge of a potential economic slowdown, a recession, on the verge of a lot of companies going through very difficult times, restaurants, bars, locations, even some online businesses that are out there. First of all, my heart goes out to all the business owners as a lifetime entrepreneur I get how tough it is to build a business, maintain it, take care of your employees, meet payroll. It's a tough, it's tough to do already. And then on top of that, we're doing it during these very uncertain times. It's even more challenging. The number one thing I'd give to anybody who finds himself in that position, whether a business owner or not, is are you being open and honest with somebody in your life about how challenging it is? even if they don't have an answer for you. If you're being open and honest with the people in your lives and letting them know, pick a friend, a friend that you trust, pick another business owner, somebody that you trust, say, hey, I just gotta get some stuff off my chest. We know that holding things in and the perceived feeling, no matter how many friends you have, we know that the perceived feeling, that loneliness is the perceived feeling that people don't understand or get where you're at. And chronic loneliness, this isn't about how many friends that you have. Chronic loneliness can be something that even with people with a tons of friends and family suffer from. And we suffer from it when we don't feel like we have people in our life that can hear us out and understand what we're going through. On top of that, you add this whole self-quarantine thing where we're genuinely probably not seeing and interacting with a lot of people, it can build up. So if you're going through a tough time in your life, in any area of your life, number one piece of feedback I have is find somebody to open up to and talk with. Reach out to them and say, hey, I got a few things on my chest. I got a few things on my mind. I just need somebody to listen and hear me out where I'm at. Just even sharing your story, sharing your hardships with somebody else that you're going through is fundamental in 
us letting that stress go internally. Okay, back to question number three. Do you regularly feel guilty pursuing your goals and dreams? If you feel guilty pursuing your goals and dreams and even taking baby steps in their direction, you have to ask yourself, why? Why would I feel guilty? Again, does it come back to us placing the opinions of our family or society as a judgment on what we want to pursue? Is it us feeling guilty because we don't feel that other people have our back? There could be a whole host of reasons why you might feel guilty, but the fact that you feel guilty alone is usually indication that you, my friend, doing the best that you know how, are partially living a life that others expect of you instead of giving love and attention to the life that you want to live. This doesn't mean that you quit your job overnight and you go pursue your goals and dreams. I often think that that's a bad thing to do. And I've made a few other videos on Instagram about why I don't suggest people, for instance, health coaching is really big right now. And people say, well, my goal and dream is I want to be a health coach full time. I made a video about that. I'll link it up in the show notes. Um, I don't think quitting your job, cold turkey, and going into a business that you don't have a lot of experience with is the best way to go into that new thing that you want to do. I think most things that we do today can be done slowly, can be done on the side. We can find mentors. We can do a lot of different stuff to create an insurance policy that even if we're going to take a big risk, we have some experience and we've made money to go in, in that direction. So it's not completely a new territory for us. But so, so that's the first thing that I want to say. You know, this isn't about quitting your job and going and pursuing your dreams necessarily unless you truly feel that's right for you. This is about taking baby steps in the direction of pursuing your goals and dreams, talking about it, feeling excited about it. Now, if you feel guilty sharing it, the question is, why? Do you feel like you're gonna be put down by the people that you love and look up to? Do you think that you're not gonna take you seriously? And whether they will or won't take you seriously, this is a good indication that there's something going on with you. Many times I've had people say that I do feel guilty pursuing my goals and dreams. And I say, why? They say, well, I feel guilty because I have all these family commitments and you know, my spouse or partner or kids, I got to provide for them. And I'm like, okay, well, there's still baby steps you can take in that direction. Have you had an honest sit down conversation with your partner or family or spouse or whatever it might be? And have you told them that this is something you want to give love to? No, no, I haven't because I feel guilty about it. And then they go and they talk to that person, whoever that person may be. And they say, wow, I'm so excited for you. How can I support? So sometimes just because a thought is in our head doesn't make it true. Just because you feel guilty doesn't mean that's actually the truth of the situation. So this is good to check because maybe there's part of you that's saying yes to some of these questions and it's a whole fictitious story in your head and it's not reality. Now, sometimes it is reality because people have told you, no, you can't pursue your dreams. You can't do that career. You can't go pursue that hobby. You can't go marry the person that you love. And if that's the case, now we have to step back and we have to ask ourselves another question. Do you please others to avoid short-term pain but underestimate the pain of living a life of regret. Do you please others to avoid short-term pain, but underestimate 
the pain of living a life of regret. We're human beings. We want to get love and we want to avoid pain. We want to pursue pleasure and we want to avoid pain. I understand the reasons that people would push off their goals and dreams in life. I understand the reasons that people wouldn't speak up in their life. I understand the reasons that we'd be worried about letting other people down because I've done it in my own life and I've done it in every situation because I've tried to avoid short-term pain. I've tried to avoid short-term judgment. I've tried to avoid short-term criticism. But when we think about our lives, especially during a crisis like this, where we're lucky to be alive and healthy for those of us who are, which is the vast majority listening to this podcast, especially during this time where we're lucky to be alive, where we're lucky to be alive and be living on earth here, breathing, healthy, able to do whatever we want to do to a certain degree, we have to ask ourselves, is it worth it to sacrifice our visions and goals and dreams of our life to avoid short-term pain. When we really think about our life moving forward from here, regardless of what age we are, and we step into the pain of regret that people have when they haven't pursued a life that's true to them. I've mentioned it before, but a lot of inspiration for this entire podcast comes from the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying. And if you've spent any time in a nursing home or with people who are older, you see that when people are on the verge of death, all their regrets come up because nothing else matters. They want to just have somebody else hear them that said, I regret not pursuing that goal that I had. I regret not doing the thing that I wanted to do. I regret making the busyness of life and everybody else's priorities more important than my own goals and the things that I wanted to pursue. So sometimes we have to understand and not judge ourselves for wanting to avoid short-term pain. But the way that we break out of that is that we think about our life as a whole. In Tibetan Buddhism and in Buddhism, they have something called a death meditation where we literally sit down and you can Google it online, you know, Tibetan uh, death meditation or Buddhist death meditation. And we imagine ourselves on our deathbed sitting there at 95, 100, 120, 130, however old we are, and sitting in all that regret and fear that we held on to our entire life because we were focused on pleasing other people. When you sit with that and you really meditate on it and you imagine yourself, what does the room look like? Who's around you? Where are you? What country are you in? What are the smells like? What does your body look like? Is it strong and is it healthy? Is it weak? If we took the regrets that we're living with right now and we projected them in the future and we didn't do something about that and we were in that situation, who would we be? What would we be sad about? A death meditation is so powerful because once we truly get present to how strong regret is how much of a force it is and how much how so much does not matter when you're on your deathbed 
So much other stuff doesn't matter, only whether or not you have love in your life. You know, well, Bronnie Ware wrote about in the book, you can see all the things that actually do matter versus the things that don't. But all the bullshit that we get so caught up in doesn't matter when we're on our deathbed. And if we can bring a little bit of that feeling, imagining what it was like into today, regardless of how old you are, you start to realize that avoiding short-term pain to sacrifice the future that you want to live, the present that you want to live, is not worth it. Because the pain of a life of regret is so much more painful when we really feel it than the short-term pain. So ask yourself, do you please others to avoid short-term pain but underestimate the pain of living a life of regret? Question number five to wrap us up over here. Does the critical inner voice in your head prevent you from even starting? Does the critical inner voice in your head prevent you from even starting? Here's one thing for you to consider. The reason that I left this question last is that it's often us that prevents us from starting. It's us who cuts us off. It's us who prevents us from speaking up. Now, when the critical inner voice in your head prevents you from starting on anything that you want to do, a nonprofit that you want to do, a way that you want to give back to your family, a promotion that you want to seek, a goal that you want to do in your own health or in your physical body, whatever it is that matters to you, if your critical inner voice stops you and prevents you from even starting, it's a good indication that somebody else's voice is in your head. You know, I've shared before about my experiences with the landmark form, which I've talked about in a previous podcast. Uh, you know, if you Google it, some people will say it's a cult. <laughs> uh, but based on a recommendation of a mentor of mine, Serrano Kelly, a really incredible guy, he said, you know what, I think you'd, I'd really, I think you'd really enjoy doing this uh, program. It's a weekend course. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I think it kind of spills over into Monday. And it's a self-development port, uh, course that's all about getting clear with the inner voices in our head and how we as human beings are constantly creating stories and fictitious situations about every aspect in our life. In um, LA, there's another group that is kind of an offspring of uh, the parent group that created Landmark Forum. It's called MITT, uh, Masters in Transformational Training. You've probably seen other speakers like Lewis Howes, if you've heard about the School of Greatness, or other people that do podcasts have done that program. My sister did that program. Anyways, these courses... There's good and bad that's there, right? There's good and bad, like all things in life. But I found my experience with Landmark very valuable because the one thing that it really helped me do is to understand the stories that I'm creating on a regular basis in my own head and how I'm constantly creating little dramas that aren't necessarily true. And when I catch those stories, I did this back, by the way, when I was like 19 years old. So it's quite a bit. I'm 37 now. And it was very powerful for, help, for helping me understand that when we're younger, especially, a lot of our first insecurities in life come from when we're young and when we realize that for the first time the world um, is, is wrong in a way. I know that's not going to make exactly sense, but it's like when you're young, you're pure, you're innocent, you're just doing your thing as a child. And when you finally understand that the world is wrong and that you, let's say like people don't like you or that 
Uh, you get to the first time where you get bullied or let's say your parents got divorced and they're separated and you feel like, why is this happening to me? When kids ask, why is this happening to me? Often they're looking for the answer and sometimes we'll look at ourselves and we'll come up with a criticism of ourselves. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not enough basically is one of the ways that we internalize an insecurity in our life. And through that process, other people's voices, we've let other, people vo other people's voices uh, confirm that insecurity. I'm not gonna go into this and I probably butchered this in my explanation. If you're curious, you can look up Landmark Education in the Landmark Forum. Uh, sometimes as an organization, I'm gonna tell the same thing to you that my mentor told me. It can feel a little salesy, a little pushy as an organization, but I found the content valuable and I've recommended it to other people. Some people have liked it and some people have hated it. Just full disclosure that's there. Anyways, the core idea is that sometimes the critical inner voice that's in our head is not our own. We've internalized it from somebody else's judgments and criticisms in our life. When we were younger, if a parent was hypercritical of us, we've let that criticism voice become our own inner voice in our head. And when we do that and we don't check it and say, that's not me. That's not me criticizing myself. That's not me preventing myself from starting. That's this old voice. Is this old voice of a parent or uncle or a teacher or somebody who said that I wasn't enough or that I felt that I wasn't enough. And they weren't doing it on purpose. They were doing the best that they know how, but I don't need to confuse this internal critical voice as my own. I can see it as this old thing that's screaming for attention. Some people call it the ego. So when we get clear that it's not us, we stop listening to that voice and we go do that thing anyway. Michael Beckwith, Reverend Michael Beckwith here in Los Angeles at the Gopi Center says, you know what? I just tell fear, I'm going to take you along with me. I'm not going to say don't have fear, live by no fear. I'm not going to say that, you know, squash your fears. I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say and pretend that I don't have fears in my own life. I'm going to tell you that I have fears, but the thing is that I know that inner critical voice that wants me to be fearful about living my life and my goals and dreams is just talking and you can take it along with you. You can take your fear along with you and take it right into action. Yes. Okay. I'm afraid. So what? I'm still going to go do this thing anyway. Yes. I'm afraid of having this conversation. I'm going to take my fear along with me because it's not me. It's just this other thing. And I'm going to go do the thing that I need to do anyway. The point of this conversation is when we use these questions to reflect what life and whose life we're living, we can actually step out of the matrix that we're in sometimes and ask ourselves, am I giving love and attention to what matters? I can't think of something more important to give love and attention to than living a life that's true to you. This is Drew Perowit signing off on Big Idea Tuesday, which I think is coming out on Wednesday because the whole coronavirus situation has really uh, thrown around the schedule. If you've enjoyed this podcast, shoot me a text, 302-335-6565. I spent eight hours this past weekend texting with a bunch of you in the community. It was fantastic. Uh, I didn't get a chance to catch up with everyone, but I probably wrote to at least 200, 300 people uh, at least. Uh, this weekend. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for recommending these Big Idea Tuesday podcasts. They're actually really fun to do and they let me share a different side of myself. I like talking about health. I like talking about what foods to eat. I like talking about, you know, goals and that sort of stuff and, and gut health. But really my most uh, favorite thing to talk about is all the stuff here because this is the stuff that truly matters 
on our deathbed. Yes, we have to take care of our health. Yes, we have to cut sugar, work out, do all the things that my guests talk about. But just as importantly, if that, just as importantly as those things, if not more important, is our mindset, our mindset, and living a life that's true to us. I wish you all the best. Be sure to text me 302-335-6565. Talk soon.